0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing.
0: I, either when conor is not on or when he is on to do something so there you go like why not you know you need players to fill out a roster i feel bad like subjecting him to that like low level because i actually like him but you know it is what it is you need you
2: need a roster that's
0: first <laughs>
3: Hey everybody, welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan and as always, I am joined by the multitasking. This woman was shopping, she was taking care of her health today and she's wearing one of the best hats I've ever seen, Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you
2: today? It's been a rough day. Yeah, it's been a day and I mean, not really about me, but just it's really tough in our industry. We'll get into it. We're gonna crack open a claw and wear our mental stability at. We'll see what happens.
3: And of course, we would be nothing without the insanely talented, again multitasking today too, dog mom extraordinaire,
0: Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi. Hi. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's <laughs> I'm just I'm over I'm ready for the off season. I'm ready to not think about hockey. I'm ready to not think. I'm ready to wow. just I think we just every day, we all just need to be like outside, enjoying the summer, having nice drinks and doing nothing else. That's what I crave. Well, we will be talking about the
3: fact that we may be without hockey sooner rather than later. We'll see. Um, but before we dive into the actual action on the ice and we'll also, you know, I think we need a new segment where we just give a shout out to my producer, Scott Malone, because he he read it to me for me reading it to him on the last episode. So, hey, Scott, how are you? Uh, let's move into Sarah Sivian's very favorite segment. Sarah, what time is it? Bit O News. Bit O News. All right. When we last talked with y'all, we were talking about the big trade that involved the Los Angeles Kings moving some pieces out to make some cap room available. And they immediately put that to use, signing defender Vladislav Gabrikov. To a two-year extension worth just shy of six million per year. You'll all remember he came to the Kings in a trade with Columbus at the deadline this season after the big blow up of the non-Boston trade when Boston decided to date the Capitals instead of the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets always just getting left behind. Shayna, people are surprised that the player is choosing to bet on himself, hoping for not only his longevity on the ice, but also a lot more money to be able to come his way in two years. Aside from what the player may or may not bring on the ice, do you like this decision by him in terms of what he negotiated?
0: I like it for the Kings. I don't love it for him. I understand it. Like the cap is barely growing and you can only make so much money if you sign a deal today without the cap growth. If I were Cole Caulfield's agent, I would be screaming at him, take the two-year contract and maximize your worth. For someone like Gavrikov, I don't know how much this is going to work out for him because a player like him typically doesn't like age super well based on like the style of play he has. I think it's super risky. And you don't know who's willing to give him that contract at age 29 or 30 that's going to be the six or seven-year contract. Like We see how those big free agency deals don't work out. So while I respect betting on himself, and I think he knows – Two years in L.A. is going to be a lot better than the last two years in Columbus, considering the team around him and the team style and everything. I still look at it and go, that's a very, very, very risky play. If he can crush it in the postseason, he'll get handed a contract regardless. We know that, but you're betting on that. And that's a little bit tougher.
3: Well, Sarah, Shayna nailed uh, Gavrikov. I watched him play the entirety of his career in the North America before he changed teams. Um, and I'm worried about his style of play holding up as well. He's good. I just never thought of him to Shayna's point as being someone who's going to be getting a big deal after this one, maybe. What do you think about this player? Are the Kings putting eggs in the wrong basket, or is this a good move for them on the ice? And, and to Shayna's point, are they saving themselves per, potentially with less term?
2: Like Shane has said, it's good for the Kings. It's a little questionable for him, but I know his agent Dan Milstein is very aggressive and he'll be like, oh, he can just play in the K if it doesn't work out. Like, (laughs) It's just kind of how it goes with the Russian, um, Dan Milstein specifically, but Russian agents very much. so. So, So I don't know. I agree. I mean, I don't want to count anybody out for betting on themselves, but I do think this looks good for the Kings. And I think... He fits in really well with this Kings team, especially with like, as they're trying to form an identity and his like good personality. So I think we'll see.
3: All right. Well, there was another player who's going to stay where he is a little bit longer. And it was also announced that Andreas Athanasiu, a name that you have to practice saying, particularly if you have to say it on air, is extending two more years with Chicago, 4.25 million per year. Chicago, as we all well know now, is a team whose futures may be more quickly on the rise than they may have been perceived prior to the draft lottery. Shana, do you like this move more for the player or the team or are both getting a good deal here?
0: I don't think he would have made that money anywhere else. Uh, I think that he brings some like fun offensive pop to a lineup, but we all know his defensive weaknesses and playing in Chicago has not done him any favors there. It's not going to do anyone any favors there, especially if you're like as flawed as him, but it's, it's money, right? Like sometimes you want that opportunity to just get paid and get a lot of minutes there versus anywhere else. And there's a chance of playing with Bedard and for Chicago, the cap does not matter. They have to get to the cap floor, if anything. So getting money on the books is a good thing. Having a player who wants to be there is a good thing and becomes a potential trade piece this or next year, depending on the rental situation and what teams want. So it makes sense. And you have to put like someone on the ice, either when Connor Bedard's not on or when he is on to do something. So there you go. Like, why not? You know, you need players to fill out a roster. I feel bad, like, subjecting him to that, like, low level because I actually like him. But, you know, it is what it is.
2: You need you need a roster. That's for you need a roster. <laughs>
3: Sarah, what do you think of this deal?
2: <laughs> That's exactly it. I mean, Sheena always says it all and she said it all once again. That I think you do need a roster. You need guys, you need a team. And I think you're just gonna see a lot of deals in that vein with Chicago, because they literally don't have a roster right now. <laughs> But they're building it they're trying
3: they need someone to put on the ice that's that's our glowing review all right um going behind the bench now we've been talking about this coaching carousel that has been happening and we have another little bit of a breath of fresh uh we saw the caps bring in uh, a fresher face with their hire and now today we as we are recording on monday the Calgary Flames have named Ryan Huska their head coach. Uh, he's coming up from the A. He has been spoken very highly of. And again, this is an individual I'm not super familiar with him and his work, but it sounds like, again, it will be about being able to relate to younger players. We know that the last head coach in Calgary wasn't exactly a shining star in that department. Sarah, what do you think of this signing? The Calgary fan base seems to be pretty
2: optimistic about it. Yeah. Um. Signing of the head coach. Yes. Oh, sorry. He's like, wait, are we? Yeah. Um, I don't fucking know. Like, honestly, like I don't know. I think. What do we even say about people? Head coaches, assistant coaches getting promoted to head coach at this point? Like, we'll see what he does in the system. We'll see how he differentiates from the system. What do we know about him that is different than what we know about all the other assistant coaches? you're making a good
0: point you have a good yeah. point okay the only thing that i can think of note for him there are two things one he coached in the ahl there so there's players like andrew manjupani who seem to play well under him there and he's coming off a bad year and i think young players are so important when they have those big contracts to guys like weger and huberdo on the books like they need young players to thrive and manjupani i think is a key one The other thing that I, the one thing I really like about him that we know at the NHL level is his penalty kill. Like the flames have had a power kill for years and he has been responsible for that. So, you know, I think they have a really good defensive structure and a good penalty kill. So I don't know how much he's going to be handling the X's and O's moving forward, but if that's his system that he's going to have in place and he just brings in another coach to execute it, I'm interested, but you still have the offensive side. It's funny though, because they did go internal for the GM and for the assistant coach here's people who have been with the flames for a million years but he does feel like a fresh voice that just needs the opportunity to show it so i i'd like to see what he does on his own cuz i really did think especially if tree living wasn't gone they were going to go galan or someone like that
3: huh you've never dropped that one on us before yeah and that's just that's,
0: that's, that's purely speculation me like tree living's tendencies you look at he went bill peters he went Daryl Sutter. He was not going to go new and innovative for his coach.
2: That's not his vibe. Say his, his name. Gonna...
3: Say his first name again. Who? Daryl? Daryl Sutter?
0: Daryl. Daryl. There it is. <laughs> Daryl. Good
2: job. Okay, no, that's not in your. That's
0: accent. Yeah. <laughs> I. I don't listen. I'm done today. I've had enough. I'm not, I can't even say Leon Dreisaitl's name correctly. Don't start to say someone I don't <laughs> even fucking like's name, right? Daryl Sutter. He hired Daryl Sutter. I expected him to go the Gallant, Lavulette route for sure. Recycled coach. I could have seen them going for Quenville or something like that. Like that was, I figured the flames were the team that contacted Quenville, we don't even know.
3: Well, you've set us up perfectly for our other bit of news in terms of the coaching changes. And this one is not confirmed, but it looks like that the New York Rangers may actually be coming to a place where they are going to, in fact, have a head coach after all, instead of just not hiring anybody. Um, Elliot Friedman has reported that there is word Monday afternoon that the Rangers and Peter Laviolette are gaining momentum. These are his, these are Friedman's words. Nothing is done until it's done, but barring a swerve, looking like Laviolette is the next Rangers head coach coach. Sarah, you saw this first in our group. Do you like this hire, even if it is a recirculated person?
2: It's the best thing it feels like they could have done. And that's not saying much. Like I I think with everybody else in their pool, especially Quantaville, um, laviolette is a safe choice that I, no one's going to say, Oh my God, I hate this, but it's not particularly exciting. I feel like if you told me laviolette, coached the Rangers three times before I would believe you so here we are again five metropolitan teams
3: uh, yeah literally, this is the thing I like coaches being recycled but honestly like and honestly torts in Philadelphia too although there was some time separated there but like you're really just letting this guy coach every single team in the division it's
0: insane yeah and they're fine with that it's it's so weird but like it literally is like like Cyrus said like the best of the available options for the qualified experience coach that they were going for. Like when they set themselves within those bounds and then I guess dominoes didn't fall that they were hoping, whether it's Keith, whether it's Sullivan, they were like, it's Heinz or Laviolette. Laviolette's a better option because I think it'll be better creating their forecheck, which is not existent but he like rolls his lines too evenly. And he, there's a lot of flaws that you can see everywhere. And you got to see it up close and personal with the Capitals. And you're like, we'll take that. So I just want to see if, I think when you recycle a head coach, Unless like your torts, right? With like Bradshaw, who I think we think super highly of. Like that's an assistant I understand bringing team to team. Even Mike Sullivan with torts. I understood it. But I think with coaches that like fling out as often as you like you have to be like, you cannot bring the same assistants. It's not happening. Like mm. Glenn had Mike Kelly, not happening. We need a fresh voice, someone different. Change it up, please. Or you can't, or you can't sit here. You can't sit here. <laughs> you can't sit with us. <laughs>
3: Well, we will see if that move becomes official, um, and we'll just let you know that next episode, even though you probably will have read 8,000 tweets about it by that time anyway. um, But now, unfortunately, we have another segment that is making its return. It is time for the shit list. And in full disclosure, as most of you probably know, all three of us have worked for The Athletic. that still does, obviously. And today it was announced that they are making a round of layoffs, specifically in their NHL and baseball spaces and smaller markets. Although I did see that the Cavs' uh, writer was let go and also um, that the Bengals let their writer go. We are not here to bash company for their decisions other companies are making these kinds of decisions as well Um, but we are here just to talk about kind of the state of the jobs that we all do in the industry that we're all in and and we send so much love and support to some really really talented journalists um, who are now having to find another job sarah i I know you've been you know really kind of processing this today what where is there to start with this
2: yeah you just think about where journalism is going and why this happened and why it keeps happening. I mean, Leach Report, my company has had layoffs. Um, A lot of other companies around the, specifically the NHL, but in a lot of other sports are having layoffs or restructuring too. Like SP Nation has gutted a lot of their sites. And you just wonder why, because it seems like especially when you think about the New York Times and the amount of money the CEOs and people in charge in the company are making it's public record you wonder why do they need to lay off 4% of their reporters or editorial staff today what was the reason are they taking pay cuts and were they wrong about certain business models come clean with that i don't know i've been on all sides of everything i think The athletic was the best place I've ever worked and was a dream. But when a dream feels maybe too good to be true, maybe you start looking like, okay, we are running out of money because we had so much money and spent it. and It was great. But then what is the plan to grow it back? And I mean, I think everybody, it just sucks because everybody is doing absolutely everything they can. It's the best of the best with the journalism staff and the editorial, but there's only so much good people and great talent in the industry can do. And you just see that with the way and the nature of the layoffs in every publication right now. It's like, it doesn't matter if somebody is at the top of their game. It's just kind of like, okay, they're letting go of if you're in a small market or if you're on a specific like business vertical or something like that. And it's just like, they took these big swings with these ambitious verticals. And then somebody who buys in on that and decides to be part of that big swing gets fucked over. And that's just the name of the game in this industry right now. And it just sucks.
3: Yeah, it does. It's, uh, you know, we've talked about this on here before and that, you know, I'm a huge believer even in the broadcast space, that local coverage is going to be the best coverage and should be and should be given a place no matter where we are in a season or what have you. I certainly appreciate and respect the talent that does national broadcasts, but you lose so much of the storytelling when you take away these local voices. And to have smaller markets losing their voices, their reporters, it, it just is a snowball effect of nothing good. And, and we've talked about this. Remember, Shayna's slow scroll. <laughs> don't just say you love someone's work, read it, pay for it, don't share a login, let businesses know which assets are worthwhile so that they are retained. Shana, I know it's been a crazy day for you dealing with all of this too. Again, we think of all of your colleagues and people Sarah and I have worked with too, who who are great people and great writers and editors and, and all kinds of things. Where is your head at with, with another round of these decisions? Again, not just with this company happening throughout the industry.
0: It's, it's so disheartening that like, you literally log on Twitter every couple of days and you see this. Obviously it hits like more home for me today, but it's all the time. And where people who have been, on all sides of it we've been the freelancers who have gotten fucked over we've been the people who randomly get laid off without being told personally we've been the people who make it through the cuts and you feel like fucking shit for it because you feel terrible that someone else doesn't like there's no you don't get through a day like this and be like yes i'm safe you're like this fucking sucks this industry fucking sucks it is terrible to see what's happening for local writers all over the place and i think that there's a place for national writing i am someone who does it there's a place for national coverage but there's a place for local coverage there's a place for regional broadcast we see it with bally sports cutting people all the time like it it all is just so terrible so if you can't keep saying it if you like someone's work just support it and and You know, maybe that's not enough. Obviously, there are people who aren't just small market people getting cut, you know, or someone who it's not about their work. It's a numbers game. It doesn't matter. Still do whatever you can. If you like someone's work, if you like a regional, you know, network, do what you can to support people who are out here doing this shit. And when you're screaming at us about your team not getting enough coverage or you disagreeing with the take with us, like kind of keep in mind that these are our jobs and this is the shit we get to deal with on a day to day basis. We're all very lucky to get to work in hockey but it's very hard when every day you just see another company laying off people. Like it's not like some game and you're just watching pieces fall. Like we're all sitting here, even if it's not our companies, you have to like get like a reality check for yourself every time you see it.
2: Yeah. And I wanted to say that when I left the athletic, it was a lot of, this was part of the decision because I had options to go to different Markets, and I just felt like these markets that were kind of small markets were going to be phased out eventually. And I'm not trying to say that in a way that's like I told you so, but I wanted to go national because I knew there was a little more security in that, and I could go home and work from my parents' basement so I could save money. Because at the rate I was going, I mean, I had a comfortable salary in Raleigh, but I didn't want to end up there, and I wanted to start building a life. And it's just really. Unfortunate that you can do really good, solid, consistent work, and you just are living year to year. So I didn't want to sign a contract where I'd be out in, I don't know, Los Angeles for a few years with financial instability and not building a life for myself. So I guess now the discussion is like what companies are going to have five-year contracts for people anymore? How do you build a life? And that's the dilemma a lot of people are facing in journalism. And that's why I decided to freelance because you get more flexibility as hard as it is. It's like I can pivot more easily and kind of call my own shots. And it just feels like that, unfortunately, is the way that the industry is going.
0: And also, like, how much security do we have with those long contracts anyway? Like, in anything, it just feels like there's, like, a no-win game, it feels like, in sports sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. you, if you're even going to get that longer contract, it's like, well, how much money do you give up just to have the security? And are you going to be the first person to go? Like, there's no, like, sense of peace, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, you know, listen, I, I know that there's a lot of people – A lot of people who
3: don't live in this space expressing their opinions, but a very special fuck you to the people who are dancing on graves and just using this as a time to tout how great they are. Just shut the fuck up. Log off. Um, And Kovacevic,
2: I'll say it. I worked there and that was the worst experience of my life. He once (laughs) said, how much money do you think you deserve? When I asked him when I was getting paid. So I loved my time at The Athletic and it's nobody's personal fault who works there that this is happening. TK is... Yeah, bad reputation for a reason. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> we
3: will transition. Shana, what time is it?
2: to Brighten up
0: everyone's day after that segment. It's the yes. segment we all crave. It's how does this affect the Leafs?
3: How does this affect the Leafs? They just keep doing things to remind us that they're America's team. And this week, it has been the change of moving legitimately Arizona Coyotes legend Shane Doan coming to Toronto to be a, quote, special advisor to the GM. Uh, this is interesting because this can mean a lot of different things, just like we know GMs can be have different responsibilities based on what their specialties are. But, you know, this makes me think, too, of rick nash who did something similar coming to columbus as well and shane doan has been out of the game and and working in in hockey longer but um sarah this move you know shane doan big
2: big big hockey guy coming over to the biggest market what do you think well his job is to look around standing next to austin matthews and saying we don't have that in arizona (laughs) because he is going to keep i honestly think like Probably 30% of the reason this is happening is to keep Austin Matthews in Toronto, because for those who don't know, obviously Shane Doan was a Coyotes legend and Austin Matthews is from there and his contract is running out. So Shane Doan's there. Like, don't worry. Everything's fine. Stay here. I'm here now. I'm your childhood idol.
3: (laughs) Shayna, you've done a lot on front offices. Do you have any perspective or thoughts on what kind of stuff besides selling Austin Matthews on Toronto, Shane Doan could, could bring in terms of his value to the front office team?
0: That is number one. He's going to go up to Austin every day and be like, do you know how this affects the Maple Leafs? But it's going to be a positive spin daily. That <laughs> is his job. But it does seem like it feels like from what I've read and like learned over the last little while was like he was in Arizona in a role that he didn't actually get to handle like the hockey op stuff he wanted to do and he was there to be like hello franchise icon and it does seem like he didn't want to leave because he didn't want to do anything that would contribute to the coyotes woes to put it nicely and their terrible current situation so i get that guilt from his side but if he's there for a reason that is not to sell us to matthews on staying and it's actually to be ingrained in the hockey ops day to day that he wants to do. So we can like move up in management. It does make sense. And tree living and him have a relationship. So it's who, you know, sometimes in this. So I I feel like it's, it's like a double whammy for tree living being like one, I know you, so you're in, we're friends 2 You're going to help keep Austin Matthews. That's that's sealing the deal, but we'll see like how his role differs. And, you know, if this leads to him moving up the line in front offices, because sometimes You do actually have to like work up the chain a little bit. Imagine that. Who knew?
3: (laughs) All right. Well, we will watch this and see what comes of this role. Like we said, it can be anything. We're never sure, but we'll see what Shane Doan and Donut Do. <laughs> that was a stretch. I tried. Oh God, no.
0: <laughs> All right. right, let's Donut dive- Donut episode title right here. Bucket. <laughs> Why I left the Too Many Men
2: podcast.
3: <laughs> my column. All right. Let's talk about some actual hockey here, y'all. Uh, We have had a couple games go by uh, since we last spoke to y'all games, three and four of the Stanley cup final are in the books and each team has won exactly one of them. However, as the series shifts back to Vegas, that means that Vegas is in the position where the next win they get could get them their first Stanley cup in franchise history, that long illustrious timeline. Um, But you know, Things are looking to be unraveling for Florida. You saw this at the end of game four with a huge kerfuffle at the end of the game where you have Matthew Kachuk, who clearly seems to be injured, gets his fourth game misconduct of this series. um, And the fans are throwing crap on the ice. Just not a good look all around. And while this is a Florida team that was down 3-1 to Boston in the first round of the playoffs – there doesn't seem to be the same level of confidence or optimism about what they can do. If you look at how much Vegas has handled them, Sarah, you watched the Panthers come back and beat the Bruins. Are you seeing anything remotely indicating there's hope that they can do it again?
2: No, um, sorry. <laughs> just no. I love you, Matthew Kachuk. You we all know this, but I think Or misconducts. And I don't think, like, I think maybe he should have had two of those misconducts. But And uh, the last one didn't matter. Like, it was over. But, I mean, it did. He is injured now. And I wonder if he is going to play. But I'm sure he'll try to play in an elimination game. But they have never won a game in Vegas. I don't think they're about to start. (laughs) I just (laughs) don't think all the good vibes that were present to beat the Bruins, capitalizing on all the turnovers and stuff in particular, has not been there this series.
3: Shayna, Bob Brovsky has not necessarily seemed to be the problem. He just hasn't necessarily been extraordinary. So you're looking at that performance in net coming from him. And then you're also looking at the fact that the Florida Panthers do not have a single power play goal in this series through four games off of 13 opportunities. They've gone stone cold when they have the skater advantage, including those final minutes there in game four. What things are concerning you the most for Florida? Is it either of those two or
0: is it something else? I think it's more the offense as a whole, because I think Bobrovsky, like we saw Vegas took away his eyes. They were beating him. Then they were just beating him a little bit more last game with a little bit more variety to their shots. But if Florida had the goal support, it wouldn't matter. And we look at five on five, they're not getting to the quality areas of the ice. It looks like Barkov is dealing with an injury. He missed time last game. Um, He had three shifts in one period, if I remember right. We know Kachuk is dealing with an injury. That's going to hurt their chances. The bottom of their lineup, I don't trust as much to come up with scoring that fourth line versus Vegas's, or at least I I trust Vegas's fourth line to control play in their minutes more than Florida's. So that hurts them at five on five and then the power play not clicking. They got through Boston's, Penalty kill, one of the best in the league. They got through uh, Toronto's, one of the best in the league. They made um, tweaks and changes as the playoffs went by to go to four forwards. Uh, They adjusted who was on that four forward unit from like, you know, Carter Hagee to Sam Bennett. They made adjustments and it feels like the Canes absolutely broke that power play. There's nothing happening on it against Vegas. And Vegas's penalty kill was struggling going into the series. So it just feels like they don't have an answer Uh, to anything offensively like if you start scoring it's more important to score at five on five but you need to be able to come up with quality chances of your own and then not only create the scoring chances in the middle of the ice and the quality areas which are super important but finish them which is a season-long problem for them so it just it's it's like it almost feels like they're out of gas which is a little odd because it's not like all their series have been as much of a grind since round one you would think the way they got through toronto and got through the canes even though those games are a little bit tighter that they they'd be like ready for this moment, but it just feels like they don't have anything left offensively in them.
3: Sarah uh, uh, Barkov finally gets back on the score sheet. The last time he had scored a goal was in game two versus Carolina. And it seems like that's a player that you really would hope would be going a lot more right now. Are you concerned about him? I, I was unaware of the supposed injury. We, so we saw the shift time change, but, uh, and we don't know what's wrong with Matthew Kachuk. Which one of those two players concerns you more in terms of the state of where their ability to contribute seems to be right now?
2: I mean, it really, like he really, there's so much discourse about Barkov being the most underrated player in the world. I'm like, is he? Because I really (laughs) have been waiting for him. Matthew Kachuk completely stole the show from him. Not that it's a competition. Obviously they want each other to succeed, but he's been pretty invisible throughout the playoffs and, It has me thinking if we just say that he's underrated because he plays in a small market. But at the same time, I mean, obviously his two-way game is insane and players that play against him will attest to the fact that it's not just about him scoring goals, but in the playoffs, it is as the Panthers know more than anyone with all these clutch goals, it is about scoring goals. And he hasn't really come up big for them at all. So, I mean, how awesome would it be if he really started cooking last game and this game he comes in and keeps them alive?
3: You know, on the Vegas side, we're seeing our little jam just continue to find magical things to do. Um, who has impressed you on the Vegas side, particularly in these last two games?
0: You can't not talk about March. So like the storyline of it all, it's too good. The way that Florida, when Dale Talon came back, gave away March. So and Smith in two moves completely out of spite because he just wanted to dismantle everything that happened while he was not general manager or even when he was gm but not making moves because ownership was going to other voices instead of his all of that is just wonderful we love that the jack eichel storyline but is also great but i think the other players stealing the show besides march so because like he hasn't been stealing the show he just is the show right him and eichel they like that and Barbashev, like they're the show it's chandler stevenson that's really stood out to me a lot because like We talk about the two shutdown options, right? You go, it's Carlson, it's Stone. Or you go, let's talk about the two original misfits. misfits." And you go, it's Smith, it's Carlson, and it's March. But you kind of like leave out Stevenson when he's like this perfect reclamation project that they found from Washington. They maximized his game. They knew he'd work in their system, and they took a low-risk bet on him. They paired him up with Mark Stone, and the two of them have the speed and skill that just play off each other so well. And now he's coming up with these huge goals it just, it everything about that, it just clicks. Well, Carlson's being great as a shutdown player and March though so has been the engine. I just feel like Stevenson has been such an important piece. And because they split up the forward lines into those pairs, they legitimately have three dangerous lines plus a good fourth line to just give them energy. They have, I feel like Stevenson's such a good counter attacker. So you literally have that threat on three lines against Florida, which I don't think that they're used to at this point.
3: And wasn't it, wasn't it last, was it last year or this year? when he was hurt and when he was out of the lineup, you saw vague, like his, it, he's one of those players. I think that when it was last li- year. Yeah. I think it was too, because, um, but you see that when you see a team start to crumble in very specific ways, when one player is gone and they had other injuries too, of course, but that I've always liked him and that impact was huge. The The last thing I want to ask you guys about though, too, is we saw the the kerfuffle there at the end of the game. Aiden Hill is throwing punches. It's kind of crazy. We already talked about Florida's inability to get a power play goal on 13 opportunities, but Vegas has had 18 power play opportunities. And while they didn't score last game on any of those, there was only one that they officially got last game. They've had six power play goals. And many people are talking about how Florida has been the most penalized team in terms of minutes in this postseason Sarah, is their own game, which is this thrashy get penalties, but survive it through, is it actually starting to hurt them now? Or is this just frustration and stress starting to take over in their ability to control their game?
2: All of it. And I also think their inability to capitalize on their own power play is probably the secret worst part of it all. It's like these games have been... Deceptively close until Vegas just opens them up, like either at the end or whenever it is, they have that window and they just go. It's like if they and they had so many opportunities on the Panthers power play to strike and they didn't. And it could have been a completely different story if the Panthers had just capitalized on their own power play, but they keep going zero four. And they haven't, it hasn't, they haven't penalized, but they haven't had a lack of their own opportunities. So I don't know what to tell them.
3: Dana, we know that <laughs> that series are fun because they do start to create heated feelings and little rivalries and battles. Did you, is there anything more we need to make of that big kerfuffle
0: at the end of the game for? No, I feel like it's just like natural at this point. And I can see why like Kachuk is like, he does like, it's the Rat King shit that he's doing right now. And it's like, he didn't want to get fully involved because I'm sure his body is like half broken right now. So he was like, let me just use my stick. I know, and I felt so
3: bad. He was like, he was like, I can't actually fight you, stop grabbing <laughs> me.
0: So, but I, but but he didn't stop being an asshole, which is well, something I love and respect about him. But because I like that he just like pedal to the metal, doesn't matter. But it just feels like it's it's like frustrations boiling over from both sides, and a lot of it is the Panthers getting frustrated at themselves. And I think everything we've seen this series is kind of like showing that with the Kachuk misconduct, with the amount that they're hitting in games, when even Paul Maurice is like, you don't need to hit this much in just counts. It's just be effective with your hitting. And I just think everything was like boiling over, but it's going to be interesting to see how Vegas manages that because like they were in a similar position last series against Dallas. They were up in the series and they did kind of slide back a little bit. So Dallas had that opportunity until Jamie Ben came back and ruined everything for Dallas, which is another story, but like they, But then they knew, like, do not let this go to seven because, you know, we don't need to be on the edge for no reason. So let's see how they respond to that. Do they let that kind of boil into their game, into game five tomorrow? Like, who's to say? If they do, I think that they're going to be in trouble. If they can keep it in check, though, and kind of keep their foot on the gas the way they did against Dallas, and they don't allow any opening in this series, I think that, you know, that restraint is going to be so important, and I think that's going to frustrate Florida more if they have that restraint
3: going to be interesting to watch. The series, as I said, is going to shift back to Vegas for Game 5. The Stanley Cup, as the people like to say, will be in the building. So we'll see if it gets
0: handed out and if we're discussing a A champion. A thousand tweets saying it, (laughs) as if we don't know the process (laughs) at this point. I know. I know. All right. But we're all Um, excited. We all like shiny
3: things. Anything else we're concerned about in this series for either team? We don't know what's wrong with Kachuk, correct? We don't. Right. I'm concerned
2: about what happens after they win the cup. Now, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not ready for it to be over. I know. (laughs) I wanted it to go to seven. Yeah. It it goes,
3: I I hate it, too, because, like, there's so much hockey and everyone's so exhausted. And then, like, you're sitting here, I'm like, what are we supposed to do tonight? Like, there's no hockey. Mm -hmm. It's just.
0: And then when you have to watch it, too, like, for game one, I'm literally, like, I felt so mentally checked out, which that's, you guys both know, that's not me. And I'm sitting Mm -hmm. there, like, Getting myself like, okay, focus on this, focus on, I'm like touching my phone in the first couple of minutes. It was good that the play was good in game one to like snap back into gear, but I'm like, I, it's too spaced out for me. I'm, I'm just like, it's, I'm struggling. I feel like if I, and I'm sitting on my ass watching a game at home. So I was watching
3: the, I was watching the recaps again and I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. I remember this. And then I was like, wait a minute what's happening? It's in overtime. And I literally got game three confused with game four because everything has been so spread out. It has.
2: I thought the game was tonight. Now I'm like, well, what am I supposed to
3: do? I guess. Right. I will say this though. And I can't remember if I've said this before, after having go, having to go back and forth to Dallas, which let me tell you all, for those of us who haven't had to experience this, the united states is excessively tall i can fly from seattle to ohio or in the same amount of time it will take me then to get to dallas from seattle that's how far south dallas is so i know people are complaining about the spread out but i really think the league is doing the right thing here with the schedule yeah. in terms of giving the like if they were flying every other day at this point i think it would be way too much that's i think true. it's i think it's the right thing to do for it
0: is so- i just wish they said that like they if they said it too Like, we're not just trying to get the Stanley Cup final out to a certain date because the other rounds were shorter than anticipated. Uh, And they were just like, listen, Vegas to Florida is fucking far. Because it is. And we all forget. It's like, you think of other far Stanley Cup final, Boston, Vancouver, Vancouver, New York. Like, there have been other ones. And, like, I'm sure we all had reasonable minds that we were like, ah, yes, the travel. But just say it. Like, please just tell us, like, remind. We're all idiots. We're all just idiots. Just remind us. Because, again, like, seriously, even though, you
3: know, Vegas is not obviously as far north as Seattle. Like that's still a lot of north-south travel in addition to east-west travel. So that's a lot, Like it, it takes five hours to fly to Dallas from Vegas, from Seattle. Like that's insane. I can't, I, I don't, don't know imagine. how long the flight is. I'm gonna look, I'm know. gonna Google. It. Yes, I was just gonna say someone needs to Google it. We what can we talk about while well, Shana Google's with how, how long the flight is?
2: No, I'm not on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Vegas to Miami is four hours and fifty-five minutes. Okay. I expected it okay. to be longer. Okay.
3: Well, yeah, that's not, but still like, so that, so that's five hours. And I, again, speaking from experience as someone who did exactly one, 1,000th one of a percent as much effort as a player gives in the game, like that's a lot. So I do actually really like that they're doing it. I can't way. imagine yeah. doing that
0: all the time. Just like, no being on my best friend's a flight attendant. And I literally am like, how do you do this? Like, I, I would, I would hate that.
3: Well, but they're working, right? So it's different. They're not traveling. No, she hates it too. It's okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She hates it. She hates the people. She hates everything.
3: (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see what game five brings. And then if, when it comes time that we award the Stanley Cup, don't forget that we'll be awarding the Too Many Men Cup based on our predictions of how everything went down. There was one last bit of hockey talk that we wanted to bring up before we leave you all today. And we had talked about um, the big trade with uh, Columbus, but Severson had that sign and trade to Columbus eight years, 6.25. It's the second sign and trade in NHL history, which is actually kind of shocking to me. I feel like there would have been more, but the only other player to have had one is too many men, listener and fan Matthew Kachuk, who did it last year going from Calgary to the aforementioned Florida Panthers. So, we're seeing two in two years. And as a group of people who like to observe trends and talk about why they're good or bad, or if they should become actual trends. Shayna, do we like this move? The, not the sign and trade, like the actual move we're talking? The strategy, like the
0: actual strategy of, of
3: employing the sign and trade more.
0: Um, I, I like it to a point because it does make sense. Like, the, If you're the Blue Jackets and you're looking at Severson and he could, has the chance of going to the open market, you might think he's a right-handed defenseman who could play on a top pair. Someone's going to offer him more money that if you can kind of jump at the opportunity to talk to him early, I get that. But sometimes we see it like teams trade for the players' rights and they still sign him to a massive contract and you're like, what benefit did you get from it? Like the Kevin Hayes deal, I remember that was one that was like, what benefit did you get? There was trade protection, there was money, there was term, none of it makes sense. Here, we're, it's all in one picture that it's like, here's what you're getting him for. You're getting the term. And I think in this case... I don't like the term, but the money makes sense. You're like, okay, I see why they did this early. It all makes sense. Why they went about it this way. And it, it it just is something that once it picks up and it works with, which it did with Kachuk, everyone's going to pick up on this too and try it. Why not? You know, like if you have the opportunity to talk to the player, it, it hurts the player that they don't get the option to try to boost their value among everyone. But if you can, if you want the term and that's important to you, those eight years, like why not try for it?
2: Sarah, do you want to see more signs and trades in the league? I mean I'm loving the creativity from all ends and all the new ways like especially I know I I think sign and trades are cool and dandy or whatever I don't think it usually helps the team signing and then trading but I do think I'm liking watching like a third team intervene for some salary retention I I want more of that
3: excellent excellent All right, well, we'll see what other trends start to come along because again, as the hockey on the ice for the NHL actually quiets, we start to see more and more off the ice action. And that's the kind of stuff we are here for. All right, my friends, it is time to end this episode with our very favorite game. And that is Fuck, Marry, Kill. And in honor of the opportunity for Vegas to potentially win their first, well, it's not the first Stanley Cup won on Vegas's home ice since Washington won there when they had their cup. But this would be the first opportunity for Vegas to win a cup and to do it on home ice. So with that in mind, Sarah, here are your fuck, marry, kill options. And one of them is gonna be obvious. Are you ready? Yes. Win the cup at home, win the cup on the road, or lose in the Stanley Cup final?
2: Yeah, I'm going to kill losing in the Stanley (laughs) Cup final. I mean, it's does, like, mm -hmm. losing at home would also suck, but obviously losing in the Stanley Cup final is going to be the worst option. I'm going to marry losing at home, I mean, winning at home, because obviously, I don't know how, how, what do you want me to say? I'm going to fuck winning on the road because that's fun but you know actually you know what i'm going to switch that because i know it would be fun for me as a villain and a heel to win on the road so i can do the whole brad marchand like lifting the cup thing so i'm going to do that
3: dana your turn and again this time it's a it's a win-win it might be because you're in vegas which seems to be a really good place to win a stanley cup what's your choice for the fuck mary kill
0: the Caps did seem to have like a shit ton of fun. They had a shit ton of fun. Yes. But then again, they had so much fun at home too. I'm going to kill losing in the Stanley Cup final because that probably feels like total dog shit. Even though you have an opportunity next year, it's not very easy to get back to it each year unless you're Tampa Bay. Um, I will fuck losing. Uh, I know I'm sorry. I will fuck winning on the road because that's the thing. It's the fun part of it is being the heel, right? Like fuck your fans like get out taking the momentum i i really do like teams winning on the road i think it adds something different to it and it makes us like think differently because everyone always wants to just like hand a trophy to the home team like oh they have home ice, they'll be fine they'll win everything Mm -hmm. but i'm gonna marry winning at home because i hate when the cup is awarded and the building is like empty i get it your team lost and you're crushed but just like stand there for four seconds and i hate seeing it get like So empty, so quick. I love the vibe of everybody in the building having the best time, cheering them on. Like you just went through all that. 82 game season, which is too long, plus 16 plus games to get to the Stanley Cup final, like to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, like you should have people ready to cheer you on. So for that reason, I will marry that. All right. I am going to... I'm going to marry killing, uh, marry losing the Stanley Cup final to be different. I'm going to marry killing. (laughs) No,
3: Shayna, that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say something nice. You know what I was going to say? you're agreeing with
0: me. Yes. But now you're changing it because I no, ruined I, it. <laughs> no, I'm
3: not. <laughs> um, I am going to uh, kill losing, obviously. Um, and while I do, here's here's the thing about when you win on the road, The coolness of that is because the arena is so quiet, you can often hear more of what's happening on the ice. And I think sometimes that's really cool just to, you know, see the interactions because most times players and dear loved ones are there to celebrate with the players. So you get to I think you get to feel like you're more in the experience if you're watching. But I will marry winning at home because I think for any fan base, I don't care how long a team has been around or hasn't been around, I think that that's got to be the coolest um, thing ever. And you can still have a parade and you can still do all the things, but I think it would be coolest to win at home in front of your fans and then just have the city go crazy. And again, I mean, can you imagine Vegas will implode? Like Vegas will lose its mind. That would be be so
0: fun. I hope so, too. Like I know so many people are like criticizing the markets of where the final were, like I hope that Vegas puts on, first of all, I want to see them partying because when the Capitals did that and started a trend, who among us didn't love that? That was a blast. But also, like, I am so tired of people like shit talking this because it's Florida, Vegas, when I think both of the buildings have been buzzing and like Mm -hmm. having a great time and showing us this cool Stanley Cup final environment. And we're not we because we're not assholes, but assholes are too fucking stubborn to enjoy it.
3: Absolutely. I agree. I agree. This is the whole point is that everyone's supposed to be able to enjoy this game. It's not just for like six cities and that's it. So
0: it's for Toronto and only Toronto. Stop with the gatekeeping. They'll never get to know what this is like. Sorry. Wow. There it is. (laughs) All right. It's not suits and ties, like flooding.
3: Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens. All right, my friends. Well, that'll do it for us this episode. We'll be back with you later this week to potentially be discussing the next newest champion in the National Hockey League. But until then, you can interact with us on social media. We are at two underscore much underscore man on both Instagram and Twitter. If you are going to a game, if you are watching a game, we want to see your vibe checks. We got a couple from last game. That's really, really cool. So send us a video, send us a picture, let us know how you're handling the stress of these moments. And if you send us a clip of you in Too Many Men gear, your name will be entered in a drawing for a prize. And if you don't have Too Many Men merch, Guess what, my friends, you can go to too many men and buy anything your little heart desires. And in this month where we celebrate the LGBTQ community, we want to remind you that we do have pieces of merch that celebrate our queer and LGBTQ brothers, sisters and others. And we support them and love them. And in honor of them, as we say every episode, please make sure to do something no matter how big or small to make sure hockey truly is for everyone. We will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.